Q&A with Bishop Julian Porteous. Obviously, the scriptures are, are absolutely vital for um, for our faith because they are a resource of revelation for us and they're an inspiration for us. Um, scriptures written, uh, inspired by the Holy Spirit, are a source in which we receive uh, insight and, and God can speak to us and reveal himself to us through the scriptures. So obviously, the scriptures are of vital importance. I, I think the question when you get somebody who's a Protestant is that, that their approach is often described as sola scriptura, only the scriptures. Now, the, the reason for that was, was, was simply that there's no doubt historically the Catholic Church is a church founded by Christ. So somebody who wants to break away from the church in some way has to, to argue for their position. So what they would tend to say is, We've broken away because the Catholic Church is no longer fulfilling its role or it's, it's falling short or whatever. So, so they're often they've broken away with that sense of, of the church not being up to scratch or, or losing its way or feeling that the, the church has lost its way. So that's why they become Protestants. They're protesting. Mm -hmm. And they can't say then that, that, um, that we now, in our new church, which we formed, we, we can't sort of put our authority in that new church because they can't historically say it was founded by Christ. All they can really say is, and it's a very valid thing to say, that we are seeking now to live our faith um, inspired only by the scriptures because that's all we've got. We're a church, but we can't say we're historically the church initially founded by, by Christ. So, so that's why it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a logical position that they need to adopt. But the difficulty is that, that in a way, they, they have to say that, that uh, they can only rely upon the Scriptures. Whereas, whereas we, we would say, see, Christ came and established the church. You are Peter, and on this rock I'll build my church. He didn't come and say... Uh, right, now, I want you all to write down the book and the book will be what you'll follow. See, he actually said no. And he, and he said very clearly, oh, the Holy Spirit will be there to inspire and guide you. I'll, I'll guide you into all truth. He also said the gates of the underworld will not hold out against you. It won't collapse. The powers of darkness won't, won't defeat it. He also said, I'm with you all, all, always until the end of time. So he made all these, these promises about the fact that this church that he established would be the, the means by which his message would be proclaimed, would be transmitted, by which his mission in the world would be, would be achieved. So as Catholics, we, we understand that. We, we instinctively accept and embrace that. 
But if somebody breaks away from the church, they, they can't claim any of that. All they can claim is they think that the Catholic Church has, has lost its way. And, and so all they can say is, well, we, we can't claim to be the original church, even though they might, they might say we are really closer to the church or whatever the should, way the church should be. But all they can really say is that we're going to go back and rely completely and solely on the scriptures as the inspiration to the way in which we live our Christian lives. Wow. Well, having said that, then what, what if someone asks us, well, what's the relationship between the scriptures and, and the church? How do we answer that? I think one of the important things is, is to, to, to see what actually transpired historically. So immediately after the death and resurrection of Christ, through the, the coming of the Holy Spirit upon the apostles at Pentecost in particular, the church was established, the preaching of the gospel took place, and gradually it developed. Now, as that went on, and as the people uh, came together and, and, and were, were being taught and formed, gradually uh, a, a body of literature developed. So the first, the, the first uh, bits of the Bible, the New Testament actually, were written by St. Paul. Surprisingly, it wasn't the Gospels first, it was St. Paul first, because he, as you know, travelled around to different, different places, and he began writing letters... Um, back to communities that he'd already been to and established, answering questions, dealing with issues, giving them further formation and teaching and so on. So the very first, it's generally accepted, the very first descriptions of the, of the New Testament were St Paul's letter to the Thess Thessalonians. Um, and then in due course, there were also the writings uh, of, of the Gospels. There's there's generally understood that the first Gospels were the, what we call the Synoptic Gospels. They seem to be interrelated with each other, the Matthew, Mark and Luke. John seems to be quite different in style and probably was written a little bit later. The first three seem to have some interdependence among themselves. But what is important is, is the Scriptures came out of the Church. So it's, it's a living faith of the Church that gave rise to the writing of the Scriptures. And so the Scriptures, firstly, are a reflection of the faith and the life of the church, and and secondly, then they they all are also also belong to the church, and the, the church has always understood that it also has a role, down through time, of interpreting the scriptures. One of the dangers of sola scriptura is that who gives a definitive explanation of the meaning of a text. So you often find that many many groups that just rely on the scriptures alone interpret certain things or, or take certain positions on things and, and so there can be divisions uh, across Christianity because people view the scriptures in slightly different ways, interpret in different ways. So the church also has a role of actually definitively interpreting the scriptures. Uh, and what we say is, is that, that in, in, in the Catholic Church there, there are two streams that nurture and guide and, and help us handle the faith. The tradition, the living reality, because the Holy Spirit is present and active in the church, and the scriptures. The, the scriptures have been written down and recognised as the canon of scripture by the church. All right, then. So with all this on board, Bishop, um, I, I note that my, my Protestant brothers and sisters seem to know their Bibles, their Bibles pretty well. So how can we as Catholics engage with the scriptures more effectively? I think we do need to, and that's certainly one of the, the great uh, blessings that's come out of the Second Vatican Council. There's a great, a lot more emphasis on the importance of scriptures in the life of, of Catholics, and we've seen 
uh, a lot of efforts to, to engage more effectively with the scriptures and, and Catholics are becoming more conversant with the scriptures. I also think among a lot of Catholics there's a thirst to know the scriptures better um, and, and maybe there's more we can do to provide people with the opportunity of, of developing a knowledge of scripture. I think there are three ways in which we can um, develop our knowledge of the scriptures. The first one is to do something at a more theological level, if you like. And the Catholics, Catholic Church has been very good at this, providing courses in the various uh, scriptures to go along to a, a, a theological faculty and to, to do study in scripture, to learn about the various gospels, to learn about the New Testament, the Old Testament. And there's great value in that because the knowledge and understanding of how the scriptures were written, to understand issues that are contained within the scriptures, really enhances our ability to read it so much more intelligently. So when the scriptures are read at Mass, we'll know a whole lot. We'll know where Corinth was, you know. Mm. We'll understand the issues in the, in the church in Corinth when, when those readings come up and so on. We'll understand a little of the character of St Mark and the character of his particular gospel as against the gospel of St Luke and so on. So that knowledge of scripture can be, can be very helpful. The second area that uh, is very common among Protestants, and, and I think it's, it's growing among Catholics, and I think it has great value, is to have a scripture study. So we're meeting in a small group, and we'll sit down together, we'll, we'll read the scriptures, we'll read some commentary, we'll have a discussion about it, we'll reflect upon it, what it's saying to us, what it means for our life. So I think there's great value in um, small groups of people meeting to, uh, to do a, have a scripture study. And I think this is something that people more and more want to do. The third way in which the scriptures can be um, can become more part of our life is something that I know Pope Benedict has very particularly encouraged in, in, in a recent um, document that he wrote, Verbum Domini, the, the Word of the Lord, which was on the scriptures in the life of the church. He particularly encouraged the practice of Lexio Divina. Uh, now this is something that's come out of the Benedictine tradition in the church. The whole idea here is you take the scriptures, you read them slowly, and you listen to what the scriptures are saying. So it's not talking about the scriptures, it's more a listening exercise. It's a more a spiritual process of, of being attuned to what the scriptures may be saying. And that's something we can do by ourselves. We can develop the practice of Lexia Divina, sitting down quietly with the scriptures, reading them, reflecting on them, letting the scriptures speak to us and reveal truth to us, speak to our lives and so on. So I think as far as uh, Catholics are concerned, there are three elements. There's that more theoretical formation in knowledge of scripture. There's the value of the, the small um, Bible study group. And then there's also the value of that perhaps more individual Lexio Divina approach of listening to, to the scriptures. Thank you, Bishop. to ask you a question now and the question I'd like to put it's a, it's a very simple one and I think you'll probably know the answer to it as well great in as you look at the New Testament since we're talking about scripture uh, today looking at the New Testament in the New Testament after uh, after the Lord himself who's the person who's most referred to what is what is the other figure who stands out most prominently 
in the New Testament writings after uh, the Lord himself. Well, I'm scared if I answer wrong, I'll be kicked off this show. But, I could guess John the Baptist? No. Now, John the Baptist obviously does uh, receive a fair bit of notice. Now, the person is St. Peter. Uh-huh. St. Peter's the one who's referred to most 195 times. Wow. 195 times St. Peter is mentioned in the, um, in the New Testament. Wow. It, why that's important is because it, when we're talking about the scriptures in the church, it does highlight the fact that St. Peter was, was such an important figure. Because he was, you are Peter, and on this rock I build my church. So, so clearly, if you like, reflects the importance of the church and and the importance of the of the one chosen by the Lord to to lead the church. So Saint Peter is quite dominant in the um, in the Gospels. So often references are made to him. You know, they talk about Peter and the twelve. You know, to to, to emphasise the fact that that he had that unique role. Of course, that's very important for us because it does highlight the fact that the Pope has a unique role in the church. And the fact that St. Peter is mentioned that often stresses the fact that, that as leader of the church, he was, he was of, of great importance in the life of the church. Just a little piece of information is, as you know, he was also called Simon, son of John, Simon Bar-Jonah. Uh, that occurred 45 times, but the word Peter, the one that, that um, Jesus said, you'll be Peter and on this rock I build my church. So that was 150 times. Oh, so there was, so Simon, son of Jonah, was an additional. Well, that was his name before the Lord the Lord. So that's not him. counted in your no, that count? Is, that of, was counted. That oh, was okay. counted in yeah. the numbers. I wonder what proportion of those references are, Simon, uh, are Peter stuffing up. Yes, and of course that's one of the other things that does show that the, 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 God, the New Testament doesn't seem to hesitate to say that Simon didn't always measure up, didn't always uh, be the leader that was sort of stood out as a remarkable individual and the Lord just chose this extraordinary person to be the leader. Quite often he did make mistakes you know, and he betrayed the Lord. You know? And I think this is very comforting because the Lord is saying, I'm choosing you, Peter. I know you're not perfect, but I, I can trust you because um, I will be with you to support you and guide you. And in the end, I think the Lord knew that in the depths of Peter's heart was a love that he had for, for the Lord and, and he had this willingness to, 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 be, to be what the Lord wanted him to be. But I think he also had that humility to be able to say, it's not me. Uh, I'm going to need the help of, of God's grace to be able to do what I need to do. Incidentally, the, the other uh, person who's most frequently mentioned is St. John the Evangelist. But wow. uh, that was just 29 times. Oh. So 195 times St. Peter. Clearly St. Peter was the one who was of, of most importance uh, in, the, in the New Testament. Do you think St. John the Baptist is third? I think St. Paul might rate three. Oh, I didn't even make the top three oh, with my guess. That's okay. Thank you, Bishop. Thank you. You've been listening to Q&A with Bishop Julian Porteous. For more episodes, visit credio.org.au.